Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to today's episode where I'm going to be talking about a whole bunch of things, but mainly it's about introverts and extroverts and the one that's in the middle called an ambivert. And hopefully after you listen to this episode, you can kind of maybe find where you fit into this. You're going to find, and I'm going to give examples at the end of the episode, but you're going to find ways to be more productive. And I'm going to give examples for introverts, how to be more productive and extroverts, because there's different ways, especially if you're somebody that either works alone or works from home, or even if you're not, this could be studying, it could be parenting, it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to give examples of ways that's going to increase your productivity and also increase your mood, depending on the kind of person that you are. Because for some people, certain things are really going to enhance their day, increase their mood, have them ending the day on a really high note. And for the, the that exact same stimulus for somebody else will be what actually puts them in the flattest, lowest mood. So we're going to break that down and you'll get a bit of an understanding why that happens for different people. Now, Before I do get into all of that, I'll do a quick weekly update and a brain fact. But it is important to understand that when it comes to introverts and extroverts, it is a spectrum. That's why no two extroverts are the same, no two introverts are the same. It is like a continuum that you kind of fall into somewhere along that spectrum. Okay, So it's really cool to start to learn about it. And the beauty of this is that you're going to also learn about the people around you and like your partners, your best friends, your parents, and it will help you become a better communicate or interact with them better. You'll, you'll be more understanding of them. Um, you'll have a better relationship. All Relationships are all down to fucking communication, right? So if you can understand where they're coming from and vice versa, things are bound to improve. Okay, bit of a weekly update. Guys, thanks so much for the love and support on Sunroom thus far. It's been a wild ride and yeah, I'm starting to put more and more content up. Uh, I just, this week I've released the Mindset Hacks module two and it comes with activities. So um, I did one, of course, last week and that was about getting out of your own way. This one is all about emotional eating and mindset around eating with tasks as well. Um, so you can go in and check that out. You can pay for the membership, like I said, or if you don't want to pay for the membership, you can always just pay. I think it's like it's between 2 and $3 depending on the post. It's around $2 to unlock a post. So if you only – or like $1.50 depending on – I set a different price depending on the um, content. So if you just want to do one content, then you're better off just unlocking that post instead of paying for the membership. So go check it out, Sunroom. It's an app that you download. Um, I know that with Android it's not there yet, but that will be – be be ready for Android very soon. So sorry for my Android beautiful people. Um, But yeah, you go there and you just type in Alexis. So I bagged that username ASAP and I got it. Um, Type in Alexis and it will take you to my profile. Good times. Apart from that, what else is happening? Um, The movie's going well. I still like the place that I've moved into is so much bigger, literally about four times the size of my other apartment. It's this huge, cool, like warehousey vibe apartment. And it feels like just this empty shell because I'm very slowly bringing pieces of furniture in. Uh, But it is an exciting project. Okay, so what I want to talk about now is uh, we're talking about the brain fact. It's a pharmacology fact today. And it's the difference between amphetamines and methamphetamines because I did want to discuss that there actually is a difference. And for ages, I myself didn't really know the difference and I didn't really know exactly what – like what would constitute a methamphetamine versus an amphetamine because methamphetamine is a kind of amphetamine, okay? So let's get into that. Basically, amphetamine is what is – it's like a stimulant. It's a neurostimulant, a cognitive stimulant. Uh, So is methamphetamine. But let's talk about amphetamines first. It's a stimulant and it's often prescribed for either insomnia – 
and also for ADHD, okay? And it is, you know, it helps you focus, it helps you be more in the zone and this is why it's so important that it is a prescribed drug because everything is dose dependent. So when given the correct dose, if needed, amphetamines can be extremely help, helpful to let people focus and to stay on track and to be a bit calmer um, with their activities and their mental activity and all of that. So that's an amphetamine. Examples of that are like Adderall or Dexys or something like that. Then you've got methamphetamine, okay? And the molecular structure of both, of amphetamines and methamphetamines are similar, but the difference is that methamphetamines have a methyl group that is added to that molecular structure. So basically the methyl group, it's a carbon atom and three hydrogen atoms. Basically all you need to know is that this particular addition of that methyl methyl group um, changes it enough and what occurs when that group is added is that all of a sudden that molecular structure can cross the blood-brain barrier way faster, like way faster. So unlike a lot of other drugs where you're looking at how the drug behaves in the human body, for example like amphetamine, it takes a bit longer to cross the blood-brain barrier, it's absorbed in the periphery a little bit and then by the time it crosses the blood-brain barrier, the mechanism of action is a little bit slower okay methamphetamine it's a lot faster the availability within the central nervous system so brain and brainstem is increased it's accelerated and when something gets in very fast the effects are also a lot faster and therefore it could become more addictive especially if it's a stimulant which methamphetamine is so it basically is increasing the rate of communication between certain regions that's what's happening in the central nervous system and from brain to body as well Both of them are psychostimulants, so they're speeding up activity in the brain and body. But basically the mechanism of action of amphetamines in general is that they bind amphetamines once in the brain, once they cross that blood-brain barrier, they bind to these transporter proteins. And if you've listened to my pharmacology facts before, basically when a cell communicates to another cell and release neurotransmitters into this synaptic cleft where the other cell is going to absorb it, there's a residual kind of leftover neurotransmitters in that cleft. So these transporter proteins um, come and eat up the leftover neurotransmitters and pump it back up into the original cell. The methamphetamine or amphetamines in general bind to that transporter protein so that way they're able to get pumped up into the original cell with the neurotransmitter and once within the cell they're able to disrupt what's going on with those neurotransmitters before they get released. The the neurotransmitters that it's targeting are monoamines so you've got norepinephrine, serotonin and dopamine and basically in a nutshell without going into too much detail what it does it disrupts how the neurotransmitters are packaged inside it kind of like fucks up how they're packaged inside the original neuron it packages normally they're packaged in these vesicles but because it screws up how it does that you're essentially in a nutshell getting way more of the neurotransmitter within that neuron and then more getting released out of that neuron. That's pretty much what's happening. You're increasing the presence of these monoamines within the synaptic cleft. And amphetamines are targeting mainly, even though it's those three monoamines, it's mainly dopamine and norepinephrine. And of course, when the dopamine pathways are targeted or that whole, um, the network of dopamine, which is a rewards-based chemical, then of course you're enhancing or like increasing the chances of having those addictive uh, behaviors, especially when it's with an addictive drug. So it kind of like 
enhances this cycle of addictive use, including amphetamines that are used uh, via prescription. So if that, that's why if you're taking, which some people do to focus better, but if you're taking Adderall or any ADHD medication when you don't actually need it and it's not prescribed at the right dose, then you are kind of interfering with your dopamine pathways, your reward circuitry and all of that. So that's how it can actually get addictive and be quite... Um, quite damaging with behavior and with your um, reward seeking kind of patterns that you do during your day. And then normal tasks for you will become extremely boring that you can't even fathom. And then you'll only be driven towards these like rewards, rewards, rewards. So it's very detrimental to be taking amphetamines unless you actually need it because people that get prescribed it actually are at a deficit. So for them, it's going to be helpful. If you don't actually need it, you're actually screwing up the um, homeostasis of the chemicals within your brain. So not ideal. And then methamphetamine is just kind of that, but so much worse. Okay. Now that's just one of the mechanisms of action that they know for sure. Uh, there's a whole bunch more that goes on, but um, that's just one of the ones that I wanted to talk about because it's the, the one that they know that's quite clear. Now, just to wrap up, what happens when you take methamphetamines in high doses? You can get all sorts of things. You get psychosis, you can get um, bleeding in the brain, seizures, breakdown of your skeletal muscle, a reduction in gray matter, which is your neurons, and then damage, of course, like I was saying, the effects that it has on the dopaminergic neurons. But these ones, methamphetamine can actually damage the dopaminergic neurons in the midbrain, and that's a major production center of um, dopamine, um, which is also um, contributes to muscle movement, um, motor skills and all of that. So it's obviously pretty fucked up. They're both not great to take them, but methamphetamine is obviously worse because it's just more intense version of amphetamine. Cool. So that's the brain fact for today. So let's get into, let's get into fucking the topic of today, which is introverts versus extra. Well, it's not even versus it's introverts and extroverts and knowing the difference between the two. Now, there is no better one. There is no superior one. This is not like when I speak about communication styles where obviously you're aiming to be the assertive style of communication. Of communication. It's not like when I talk about attachment styles where you're aiming to learn the tools to be as someone who has secure attachment. It's not like that. There is no superior one. It's not better to be extroverted. It's not better to be introverted. There are strengths and of course, weaknesses to either. And like I said, once you understand which one you are, you can kind of learn to do things that are going to benefit you as a person. And it doesn't mean um, that you're going to be antisocial or, you know, whatever. It, not at all. You're going to understand, have a really good understanding at the end of the app. Fuck, let's just fucking get into it. I'm fucking around. Okay, so basically, introverts and extroverts and everything in between, it's based around how you direct your energy and also how you recharge your energy, how you recharge your batteries. Do you need others to help you recharge your batteries or do you need to get away from others in order to recharge? It doesn't really have too much, maybe some people on the extreme scales, but it doesn't have too much to do with not liking people or not wanting to be around people. And it also has nothing to do with feeling very uncomfortable in a social situation. That is more linked to social anxiety anxiety. If you actually feel a physical aversion to being in a social group where you're like, get me the fuck out of here, that is more so social anxiety. Okay. If you're an introvert, it's more like I can be here. I might not love it, but I'm fine. But then when you leave, you're fucking drained. Okay. So first I'm going to talk about the difference between the twos. I'm going to talk about strengths and weaknesses. Then I'm going to talk about different categories within each two, because there's different kinds of introverts, different kinds of extroverts. And then I'm going to give you a few little tools and tips 
tips and tricks that you can uh, implement into your lifestyle depending on which one you think you relate to. Okay, so let's begin by looking at the difference. Extroverts have a lower sense of arousal. So when you look at, you know, it's like a threshold basically. So if you could have a lot of things going on in the day and things are just not really arousing you. So in order to get that hit, in order to feel really excited and really good, you're if you're an extrovert, you're going to need to be in the mosh pit, at a music festival, um, in a busy city, around a lot of people, talking to groups of people, um, hosting events, that kind of stuff is what's really going to like crank your tractor. You're going to be like, I'm fucking in the zone and I'm here for it. They, they can do quite a lot of like a whole bunch of really high energy things and they're going to feel satisfied. Introverts, on the other hand, their threshold is a lot lower. They have a much higher sense of arousal. So to them, that same thing would be fucking overwhelming or just exhausting. Like it's not that they can't do it. It's, it's got nothing to do with ability or skills. But for them, the idea of going to social events, social event, music festival on the weekend is like they're going to be drained. The idea of speaking in or working in big groups or working in group assignments day in, day out, to them that's fucking overwhelming. And at the end of the day, they're going to be like, wow, I need absolute peace and quiet because that was too much. What is satisfying for an introvert and calming, an extrovert would have to find ways to make that thing more stimulating. Otherwise, they're going to feel like underwhelmed or bored or really unsatisfied with their day or time. So for an introvert, while they might be like, I'm just going to walk by the beach and it's going to be like quite chilled. An extrovert is like, okay, I'm going to walk by the beach, but are there those rocks there? Can I climb up and down the rocks? Can I kind of jump into the water here? Can I do this? Can I do that? It's more about how can I find stimulation in this seemingly basic activity that I'm doing. That's kind of the difference. And that applies to all sorts of things. You know, they're the ones that are going to be a bit more spontaneous with adventurous things. There's also differences from a, like a biological and a neurological standpoint. There are some studies that have shown that introverts have a thicker prefrontal cortex and that showed up in a bunch of brain scans. Um, they've got a thicker prefrontal cortex than their counterpart extroverts or people that identify with being extroverts or who fulfilled the criteria of you know being an extrovert. And the prefrontal cortex is, cortex is that front part like just behind your forehead – inside your skull, obviously, and the cortex is that few millimetres of the outer layer. And that part of the brain specifically is very new. It's very, uh, it's the modern brain in the human and a lot of mammals do not have this or they don't have it developed the way humans do. And it's got a lot to do with forward thinking, um, executive function, deeper thought. Um, it's like that conscious thought process, the thought planning versus extroverts who are going to be more impulsive. The thicker that that prefrontal cortex is, it seems, by, by what these studies are showing, the thicker it is, the less impulsive you're going to be. You're, gonna, you're not going to really act on emotion and just do something. You're going to think it through and kind of consider if that's a good thing. Now, this is not necessarily always a great thing. You know, obviously executive function and forward thinking is good, but if you don't have a thick prefrontal cortex, it's not actually a bad thing either. The important thing here is actually connectivity between brain regions. If you listen to my podcast 
oh, I wish I could remember the number, but I'm on a roll, so I don't want to stop and look back. But if you listen to my podcast about stress and the effects of stress on the brain and also how that is reversible, um, then you would have heard me talk about how one of the best ways to reverse the damaging effects of stress on the brain, like a shrinked hippocampus and and, um, poor sleep and all of that, is through increased meditation and exercise. And those things are what increases the connectivity between the prefrontal cortex, that reasoning part of the brain that can override intense emotions, and your midbrain, your hippocampus, your arousal center, your amygdala, all of that. So that's the main thing. So don't stress if you're an extrovert, it's not saying that you are only impulsive and you can't, it's fine. As long as you're doing certain things like, you know, making sure that you're always moving, sleeping well, that you're meditating, all of that, and this works for introverts and extroverts, then you're working on that communication between the brain regions. But that's just basically what is happening. And if your prefrontal cortex is just thicker in general, you might overthink things to the point where you cannot be impulsive at all. And that, for some people, like an extrovert, would be unfathomable because they have to be impulsive in order to be happy. But for an introvert, you might be fine never being impulsive. If it doesn't affect your life negatively, then it's not really an issue. However, in some people, if this region is overdeveloped, it can cause um, issues in the sense of um, overthinking and ruminating. And that can then lead to mood disorders such as anxiety or in more extreme cases, it can lead to mood disorders such as depression. Now, things can be done about this because even though your prefrontal cortex is thicker, you can still come up with through therapy or through you know mindset training, cognitive behavior therapy, all sorts of behavioral tools and tasks that you can learn, you can actually overcome these um, negative spirals. You might still be an overthinker, but you can learn how to curb that and you can learn how to intercept it to in a way that it's not going to make you overly anxious or it's not going to give you a mood disorder. So it doesn't mean that if you have a thick prefrontal cortex, you have a mood disorder. It's just more linked. Now, when it comes to extroverts, and I find this really interesting, I actually saw this on a, a YouTube video that a scientist has. Oh, what the fuck is it called? Anyway, if I can remember, I will tell you. Um, but it is that being an extrovert can also, not in every case, but it can also be genetic. So it's kind of like nurture versus nature. Some of the things are inherited and it's got to do with a, a specific copy of alleles in a gene that extra, extroverted people have. So you might even see it passed down that if certain family members are out there always needing to be about and their kids are identical and then their grandkids are identical, you might take after the one parent and the other sibling takes after the other parent. So it's pretty cool that even that can be in your genes. And then another kind of neurological or pharmacology link to it is that dopamine does play a really big role in this introversion-extroversion continuum. So extroverts are more primed or have a stronger dopaminergic pathway and that rewards kind of network. It is stronger and they respond to it more so than introverts. So when you interact positively with other people, if you're in a group with your mates, whatever, you get an increase of dopamine. So if you are those that are more primed to be fired up for rewards and the dopamine and all of that, which are extroverts, if they get more fired up and more of a a release of dopamine, then they're going to seek that out more. So then, of course, if an extrovert's always getting those feel-good neurotransmitters when they interact with people, especially in groups, they're going to want more of that, okay? If an introvert isn't getting as much of that release, they're not going to associate too much excitation and happiness and and, um, reward with big groups of people. So it doesn't mean that they don't have – everyone's got some sort of a dopaminergic, you know, rewards pathway, obviously (laughs) – we need it and we all have it. But 
extroverts are kind of more sensitive to it and it's uh, kind of like a stronger pathway, I guess, is the best way to explain it. And you know how I've spoken about dopamine kind of increasing your willingness to do something? Extroverts are normally in most social cases, they're more willing to go out there and be social. They're more willing to speak up in a group. They're more willing to, you know, rock up somewhere, not know anyone and try and make people, make people their friends in that moment. But this doesn't necessarily mean that extroverts are more willing to do unpleasant tasks than introverts. That's the same for both of them. They're both just as able to do tasks that have to be done. This is more on a social side of things here. And of course, because dopamine is heavily involved in rewards, that's also why extroverts are more likely, not all extroverts, but they're more likely to be more impulsive than introverts because of that reward-seeking behavior that's very impulsive. They don't really think it through as much as someone who would be on the other side of the spectrum as an introvert. They're just like introverts just don't have to have it. Like I don't have to go and do that crazy thing. I don't have to jump off that thing. I don't have to be in a party speaking to all these people right now. I'm just chilled. Now, I honestly believe that a lot of what we hear um, in society or just culturally or whatever makes us think that being an extrovert is the preferred option. There's so much around us that's kind of geared towards being social and putting yourself out there and working in groups and people and having large social circles and networking and all that stuff, right? But I believe, I genuinely believe that in our society, in our culture, in every community, it's a necessary yin and yang that will balance out communities and groups. I genuinely believe that we need both introverts and extroverts, and we need to learn how to cater to each other and also ambiverts, which are in the middle. And we all need to learn how to cater to each other. That's kind of what makes the world work. Having contrasts with different personalities, different what stimulates people in some Groups is not going to stimulate people in other groups. It would be very, very detrimental if everyone in society was the same. And because of this, I think it's important not to glorify only one aspect of it and not the other. I think it's really important that we understand that in order for us to shine as an introvert or an extrovert, the others also have to exist. And also introverts aren't necessarily loners. There might be some that that don't really want to socialize. Um, But it's just that they don't often it's it's more around I don't want to be in large groups and I don't want to have my energy sucked out of me by all these people all day long and then I have nothing left to give for myself or for my partner at the end of the day. That is kind of more along what along the lines of what an introvert is. They feel more recharged when they're just relaxing and regrouping and having time out. Whereas an extrovert is going to feel like really like, oh, kind of like I'm FOMO, I want to be around, I want to be around people to recharge my batteries. Also, introverts, there's an idea that extroverts are great leaders. Introverts are also phenomenal leaders because they are less impulsive. So introverts are less likely to be swayed by what will please people in the moment, what will excite people in the moment, and they're probably going to think through ideas more in like a long-term thing. So if you're like the leader of a group, if you're like the manager, sometimes – And not to say extroverts are bad managers, they're not at all, but there's different strengths to each one, okay? So it's a lot of the time introverts make great CEOs. Now, there is also, like I mentioned a few times, an ambivert, which is both. So if you look at it as like a spectrum or continuum, the ambivert is sitting in the middle where they kind of fluctuate between both things. I honestly think I am an ambivert. There are many traits to my personality that scream introvert in the sense that I feel very recharged when I'm alone. I love my own company. I can do a lot of things alone and I genuinely not only enjoy it, but I need it. I fucking 
need my alone time and feel so drained if I don't get that alone time. But having said that, I have to be social. Like I need if I because I work for myself and often I mean I'm about to like in, like grow my my you know have employees and whatever but a lot of the time I spend a lot of the day alone working and if the whole day is alone and I don't have a friend working next to me or if I don't break it up by going for a walk with a friend or whatever it is if I'm the whole day alone by the end of the day I'm irritable and I feel a little bit flat and like I'm fine but I'm just like I, like my mind feels a bit busy and I feel like I just didn't recharge and I don't feel fulfilled. So for me, it's definitely a fucking balance. And for me, what works with that is working alongside someone, having that energy to bounce off with them, joking with them, you know, in between tasks and then time blocking and being focused. And then of course, having blocks of time where I'm totally alone, which I fucking value and adore. So it's a bit, you just got to kind of tap into what it is that you are and nurture that. I'll go into that at the end. Okay. Now, Let's talk about the four different types of introverts, okay? Because this is really cool. You can find if you're an introvert or maybe you might be an ambivert, you might be like, okay, I'm this kind of introvert and then I'm also an extrovert. So let's go into it. Number one, there's the social introvert. These people like being social. They want to go out but just not all the time and when they do – go out, they they are drained afterwards and they need a little bit of time to regroup. So they enjoy it. So often you don't even know that these people are introverts, but then when they get home, they're like, oh, I kind of need to chill out. I need that chill out time. So they, it's like they crave both things. That's the social introvert. Um, I think I might even be the social introvert. I'm not sure. Number two is the thinking introvert. So these people are a, like they love to daydream. They love to imagine things. They're quite creative as well as they think things through a lot. Um, they're good writers and things like that. They're also – they do enjoy socialising but they're absolutely not going to initiate it. They're not going to be inviting people left, right and centre. They're not going to reach out and say, hey, do you want to hang out? They're more so if you invite them, they're like, yeah, of course I'd love to. I'll come join you. But it's much of a muchness. They kind of also would really enjoy just to stay home. Um, they're also really – aware of their own feelings more so than most other people so they know if they're feeling a certain way they know what to do to self-soothe they're like I'm not, I can't go there I'm not going to go there I'm just going to revert back and just enjoy my own time then we've got the anxious introvert so these are overthinkers overthinkers to the extent where you're replaying the same situation again and again in your mind in a way that's not making you feel really great like it's kind of um anxious overthinking, like the name of the fucking anxious introvert. They are shy and they genuinely would rather be alone um, or like one-on-one with their partner or something like that. They're not total loners, but they don't enjoy social settings in general. Um, and it's, it's, it's more so, like I said at the start, it's more so I just they just don't enjoy it. They can be in a social setting. It's not social anxiety. They don't get these physical you know, symptoms that come up. They don't get the, like the sweating and the heart racing. It's not like that, but they just genuinely do not enjoy it. If you're like, come to this big gathering, they're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I don't want to. But if you're like, do you want to have dinner one-on-one, they would be like, yeah, sure. They just don't like big gatherings. They, they just would rather be alone than be a part of a big gathering. It's just not for them, okay? Um, and then you've got number four, which is the restrained introvert. So these guys, they kind of – it's these guys are interesting because they, they actually do enjoy going out, but it has to be fully planned. They have to have a plan. They have to have an exit plan. They do not want to be rushed. They do 
don't like change, don't push them into a decision and give them ample warning of this social um, event that's occurring, okay? So if you just spring on them like you have to be available, it's a party tomorrow, Get they're, they're more likely to not go. And it's not because they're not going to enjoy it, but it's like, whoa, you didn't give me enough time. Now you've pissed me off. I thought I was going to relax tomorrow and now you've thrust this thing on me. I need to prepare for that. I – no, fuck that. So it's not – and again, it doesn't really – there might be a little thing, a little bit of anxiety tied to this, but it's more so they start – because they're overthinkers, they start thinking, wait a minute, you haven't let me think, how am I going to get there? How am I going to leave? What if I don't like it halfway through? I haven't prepared for this. So now, am I stuck there with all these fuckwits that I don't want to fucking hang around with that are doing my head in and sucking my energy dry like vampires? Like, fuck off. That's kind of what they're feeling. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but that's what I'm kind of based around, you know, the, the, the description of that personality. That's kind of how they're feeling. So then we're going to look at Different types of extroverts. There's two different types of extroverts that I was able to kind of find. In, well, some, some had four different types, but the ones that I think sounded to me that made the most sense from like a psychology standpoint, I found there's two. So there's affiliative extroverts and these guys are like the – they're the social ones. They're the ones that are always out in groups. They're great planners. They're the ones that are organising every social event. If it was up to them, they would be out Friday, Saturday, Sunday at this event, at that they love it. They're fucking friendly people. They're really warm. They, they're those kind of friends that you're like, how the fuck do you manage to break the ice with every single person that you meet? Like there are some people that man- even with moody people, your, your affiliate extrovert friend will somehow be able to break the ice and be like, eh, and hugging them or whatever. And you're like, how the fuck can you do that to everyone you meet? These are affiliate extroverts. To them, close relationships mean so much to them but they also have very large groups of friends as well. They're the kind of people that will be like, I've got 20 best friends and they mean it and they genuinely give the time to all these friends of theirs and they love and appreciate each and every one of those friends. Whereas some other people are like, no, 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 no. I've just got like three best friends and the rest are more acquaintances kind of thing. And of course, as you can imagine, these are very impulsive people because they have so many friends, because they're social butterflies, you can invite them, you can call them being like, what are you doing? And they could be like, oh, I'm on my way home now. And you're like, let's go get a drink. And they'll be like, done. And they're turning their car around to meet you. Like they don't need a moment's notice. See, I feel like, I feel like I'm this and also the first style, like the social introvert. Like I feel like I'm very impulsive. I can meet you out at any point. I can literally end up at a friend's home one night and then as long as I got a change of clothes at another friend's home the next night but at the end of all of that leave me the fuck alone for a few hours so I'm a weird mix of the two then we've got then the other type of extrovert is the agentic extrovert so these guys are kind of the go-getters they're the ones that are going to be um really putting themselves out there and what you would consider to be the the driven ones in the workforce or in your friend group, they're the ones that are going to keep trying and trying and put themselves out there. They want to be, you know, in charge of the group assignment. They want to always put their hand up for the promotion. They want to always, they're really persistent. They'll take setbacks in their stride. They'll keep trying and trying. They're really comfortable being the center of attention. They, they do not mind when the attention is on them. They like speaking up in front of groups. They like running um, meetings and events and you're going to see them always getting up on a stage and wanting to present and very assertive in a good way. So these people are like 
just that one, you know, that, that one person at work that's always like, I'll do this, t- I'll do that, I'll run this meeting. I'll Like they're just fucking out there driven, trying to get to the next step, the next step, the next step. So notice how that is different to the social butterfly one. The social butterfly might not be that driven professionally. They're like, I'm just happy to chill, but I'll fucking go out to dinner or a party every night of the week. So there is a difference between those two. So now what I want to do is get into identifying what you are and how that can benefit your day or what, or little hacks that you can put into place to make your day a little bit better. So write down or don't even, you don't have to write this one down for this episode, but just have a think about what resonated the most with you. And it doesn't have to be anything I said. It could be bits from this, bits from that, because like I said, it is a continuum, but try and identify where it is that you sit. And a good way of doing that is take a bit of an inventory over the last week, the last month, or or just in your life in general, and think about how you feel at the end of the day. If you were in like made to work from home in lockdown and then from then your office, like your work has never gone back full time. Do you feel more empowered at the end or, or more um, more energized at the end of the day after being in the office? And t- being physically tired is a different thing. Like you can be a bit tired, but you can leave the office being like, fuck, that was, I'm, I'm, I feel good. You know, I feel like I accomplished something in the day. I feel good about myself. I just feel happy. You know, do you feel better when you do that from home? Or when you work in the office, does it excite you knowing that you get to go back to the office one or two days a week or does that bring you a feeling of dread? And that will start to give you an understanding of, wait a minute, being in an office drains me. Being in a workplace where there's where I don't have my own isolated office drains me. You might be someone that loves going in. Hi, 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 everyone. Hi, Kants. How's it going? You might be that, but then you're like, put me in my office and lock the door. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to walk back out and have my coffee break and talk to everyone and then lock the fucking door again. You might be that kind of person, but you love it. You love it. Like when I want it, it's there. But then if you were someone that would rock up to the office and have to sit in a, like a desk, you know those open offices, open desks, and everyone's interacting and everyone's blah, 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 blah in your ear, that might drive you insane. So you might not be an introvert, but you're like, whoa, whoa, I don't need you up in my grill all day long. You're literally draining the life out of me. Other people initially loved the idea of working from home, but then after a few days, a few, you know, whatever, they find that their productivity when they're alone all day drops dramatically. I personally find that unless I have fucked deadlines where I have no option because obviously I don't like not meeting a deadline – I find that I'm a lot more productive if I have somebody working next to me. They don't even have to work with me. My cousin Giselle, my friend Liv, they can just be sitting next to me working on their own job, which is worlds apart from what I do, very different. But just their presence makes me more motivated. I'm more likely to work through these blocks of time and feel good and feel like I've done something at the end of the day than if I were alone. So for me, I need that that human interaction during the day for me to be more productive. If the house is empty and it's just me, I can get. I can tell you right now, I get shit done. But probably seventy percent of what I would, um, compared to when I'm with someone next to me, it's just this weird thing. And some people, it's completely the other way around. So identify, identify, identify. Ask yourself all those questions. What do you think you are like? So if you are somebody that is an extrovert or leaning towards that extrovert side of things, then you need to create during your day, pockets of time where you can be social. And for some people, this might be just being in a social environment. For you, it might be like, if you say you're in the CBD or you live near the CBD, for you, it might be enough to just go 
and walk through the CBD or go to the gym during a semi-busy time so you get that energy of other people or sit in a cafe where it's really busy for an hour from your work from home day so you're working in a cafe. That might be enough for you to be like, I'm in the zone, there's energy around me that's recharging my batteries, okay? Um, Or you might think, okay, on my lunch break, instead of eating lunch alone, I'm going to catch up with a different friend every day this week that lives nearby as an option. Or if you can't, you can be on the phone and go for a walk outside, but you're catching up with someone over the phone. That might actually be enough to break up your day so you feel like, fuck yeah, I had that connection, I'm feeling good. If neither of those things are possible, you can you could do something as an extrovert that at the end of the day, because dope, you're more um, you're more in tune with your dopaminergic kind of reward system structure within the brain, you can set up a social outing in the afternoon. And it could just be a walk. You don't have to spend money, but it could be a walk with somebody or it could be, oh, just come over for a coffee, whatever the fuck it is, or dinner or whatever. But when you are anticipating this social interaction, this excitement, something that you know makes you feel good, you're more likely to get shit done because you are in that zone of you're anticipating something good. And when you're in that anticipation zone, um, like the holiday, that social outing, you're more likely to get more tasks done. If you have no reward in sight, then you kind of feel a bit flat, depleted, and you think, well, what's the point? I can do it now or I can do it tomorrow. There's nothing to break up my day or break up my time. So give yourself these little social rewards as an extrovert and you're going to feel a lot better. Now, if you are an introvert, then you've got to aim for small group or one-on-one contact more so than group settings, okay? Don't feel and, – and if you do have to go to group settings, put a timer on it so you don't feel that depleted. If you are somebody that works a really draining job, maybe pay attention to your weekend structure. If you have a really hectic social gathering on a Sunday – you're probably going to feel fucking drained. What I highly recommend for introverts to do is block out from 4 p.m. onwards their Sunday. Block it the fuck out and that is your time or your time with your best friend or your partner or something like that. But if you put in a big social event like a huge family lunch that drain, like that drags on until midnight, you might enjoy it but there'll be a, a whole lot of that time where you're thinking I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. This is like draining. I'm exhausted. I can't focus on what people are saying. Get me the fuck out of here. So be identify if I'm going to go to this social event, I'm going for just two hours and then I'm out. I need to have this time completely alone in anticipation of a big work day or a big work week. If you know that a big event is is coming up, pay attention to what you're doing the day before and limit, limit, limit. Give yourself that time to yourself. If you feel, why am I so fucked by the end of the week? What's going on? Pay attention to the structure of your week. Was it all over the place? Did you have some structure? Introverts are going to need a bit more structure so they can factor in alone time a lot more than extroverts, okay? And that is how you're going to recharge. That's how you're going to be more productive at work. That's how you're going to be a lot happier. And if you are in the workplace and if you have to do big meetings and big group work that you can't avoid, then you can probably speak to your manager and be like, I'm willing to do this, but can I also have some breakout meetings with the people that I really need to talk to? Or do you mind if in this group project, I can do some work alone and then bring it to the group and work one-on-one? You always have to communicate across how you work best. If you put put across to your manager or to your boss a reason as to why you need to do something because you flourish in that way, then it's going to be hard for them to turn around and just say no. Because if you say, I know for a fact I can get this done twice as fast if I can do 50% of this alone and then bring it to the group because that's how I operate, will you be okay with that? It would be pretty dumb of them to turn around and be like, no, no, I want you to be non-productive and work with everyone. Like most, hopefully, managers – 
will listen to what you have to say and try their best to work with you. I mean, there are dickheads out there and then fucking try and get a new job if you have to deal with a dickhead. But in general, communication is key and talk about how you flourish and how you're trying to put your skills at work doing it that way. If you're an introvert and you are a member of a lot of group messages, put that on fucking do not disturb. You can actually go into the messages and there's a little thing that you can put into your settings and just for that group message, you can do not disturb because that can cause a lot of um, anxiety in the moment when you're trying to get your work done and everyone's like, lol, haha, look at this video, ah, rah, rah, all day long. It's very overwhelming and you feel like way too stressed out. I actually think people should be doing that in general, extrovert or introvert, because you're breaking up your attention span and your flow state but it's going to be way more infuriating if you're an introvert so fucking do not disturb that shit on all your devices while you're working and you're going to feel a lot calmer when I'm trying to relax or record a podcast or plan a podcast you best be sure that my phone is going on fucking flight mode for me nothing drives me more insane than getting constant texts and phone calls when I'm trying to plan a podcast. That's like, I feel like my time is being violated, even though that person has no idea. But I'm like, wait a minute, I'm getting infuriated and annoyed and they have no idea. So I'm better off putting it on flight mode, not dealing with these people, um, I mean, these messages, these phone calls. And then when I'm ready, answering or returning the call or whatever, I feel a lot more in control with that and I feel a lot better and I'm able to get into that flow state while I plan the podcast. So I would recommend you doing that kind of stuff around your work as well. And then lastly, to, to wrap up, it's really important to know what your friends and family are as well because if they are the opposite to you, talk about it. Just say, hey, I love coming to see you but I, for me, I personally am exhausted at the end of it and I'd love to do more one-on-one stuff with you but if it's the whole group, don't be offended if I'm only here for two hours because I love it but I'm physically drained and that I don't have any energy for anything else because I'm you know, this kind of introvert. And if you're an extrovert, then you can explain to people why it is that you need to be out all the time. Just be like, don't worry about me, but I just need to, you know, have my batteries charged by being out and about and socializing. It doesn't mean that I'm this lost soul that is trying to find themselves when I'm out and about. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people who are like quite chilled and introverted, if you're always out every day, they look at it being like, oh, what's wrong with that person? They can never sit still. It's not a bad thing, but it's good to just explain that. Always keep your communication open. Super important to understand if you if you live with your partner or just in general with your partner, what what their um kind of where they sit on the spectrum as well, because then you can um, interact with them a lot better. You know when to give them their time out and they'll be happier and you'll be happier because they're happier in your interactions or vice versa. Guys, I hope that that was helpful. Um, That is all for today. Uh, Please message in on the Facebook group, letting me know what your style of introvert, extrovert is. And yeah, I'll speak to you on Monday. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks for the support on Sunroom. Just go check out the Sunroom app. Like I said, type in Alexis and there you will access my mindset hacks. I'm going to have guided meditations coming up this week as well. And yeah, a whole bunch more stuff answering like listener questions, all of that. It is good times. Love you so much. As always, remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.